You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. Since our last episode, you know, we've gotten some baseball. We've gotten some Phillies baseball. And it has since been taken away from everybody, at least for a couple days. It's been an interesting week. Uh, just to give you guys an update, since our last episode, uh, last week we had Tim Kelly on to give some playoff predictions that now don't matter because Major League Baseball almost instantly changed the playoff system that rendered our predictions almost completely useless. But, you know, the Phillies opened up uh, last or this past weekend against the Marlins. They went one and two, but uh, that is probably the the least important part of the story with with that whole series so we're going to talk about it this episode and then uh get into what's coming up for the fills but before we really get into that i'm gonna introduce my co-host johnny heller uh, who joins me this week as he always does uh johnny what's going on you ready to talk about this weird week in baseball i I guess they're all going to be pretty weird you know as you play in a pandemic yeah I'm, I'm doing well it's been it's definitely been good to watch baseball um you know just Phillies or whatever other team is playing on the tv it, it's you know it, it feels like we're back to normal even though obviously there's there is no normal right now and and like you said that that normal feeling lasted for two or three days um and now the Phillies they uh are off at least until Friday, right? Um, so it's it's definitely um, Friday's canceled. Oh, sorry, Saturday, right? There's the doubleheader Saturday. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's been obviously. I think I think we agreed going into the season that something like this could could very well happen. Yeah. Why Why don't we mention what actually happened? So uh, before we break it down, the Phillies they played the Marlins, and uh, I I think before opening day that Marlins had. Jorge Alfaro, um, he was made inactive, and you know I don't think anything officially came out, but uh, people had speculated that uh, it was COVID nineteen related, and then since then, just uh, you know, o- over ten Marlins uh, players and coaches uh, total have since tested positive uh, for the coronavirus. Um, really, the you know the Phillies had that outbreak in their team facility, but this is the first outbreak that we've had for a team that was, that was playing in baseball, you know, during this season. So the Marlins are, are off. They've had games canceled. It doesn't look like they'll play until next week or late this weekend. I can't exactly remember. We're recording this on Wednesday, so maybe things can change, but uh, so the Marlins are off and the Phillies had their, series with the Yankees postponed because you know a a team a team test positive like this uh the Marlins just did and you know it affects their team they they have players that won't be able to play and more importantly players that are are sick and you know have the potential for health risks and and other things you know going forward that's uh you know what really matters outside of you know that they can't play baseball for uh however long but at the same time with something like this, uh, you know, the Phillies were 
uh, other than other Marlins, they were the people that were in contact the most with, with these people who ended up testing positive. Um, I think it was, I think it was a total of four players going into Sunday's game had tested positive for the Marlins and it, it seemed like it was trending upward that more people could test positive from that team. But Rob Manfred in an interview the other day with Tom Verducci of, uh, of MLB network, he, he said that they followed the right protocols and they went along with the game Sunday. So they, they played Sunday and it, maybe they exposed the Phillies and that ended up in the Phillies having to isolate and they, their series with the Yankees has been postponed. So yeah, that is, I guess, the short version of what's happened. I, I know I've been talking for a little bit here. So, uh, Johnny, why don't you go ahead, finish what you were saying, and kind of give your thoughts on the situation, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about actual baseball afterwards. Yeah, maybe if I could remember what I was saying. Uh, no, I mean, I was just saying when you're playing in a pandemic, and especially we've seen other leagues in a bubble, um, you know, the NBA, NHL, they've been getting, like, couple weeks now of zero players testing positive so when you're uh you know you see that major league baseball is opted not to go with the bubble and then something like this happens um you know i just think it's something we should expect we should expect this to happen and we should probably expect that it may continue to happen um yeah so and um you know like the all the phillies have the players and coaches have tested negative the past two days but um, like today, a, a Marlins player who had been testing negative um, up until today, today tested positive. So um, it, it's something that can take more than no, more than one or two days uh, to you know come come through. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see. It, it obviously sucks, and um, you know, obviously the the priority needs to be the health and and safety of these players and their families. Um, but you know, uh, it'll be good to watch the the Phillies back on the field hopefully within the next uh few days hopefully by Saturday there are still no positive tests and um they'll be able to go back on the field yeah so so the Phillies are now scheduled to start a doubleheader on Saturday with the Toronto Blue Jays who don't have a home stadium yet they're going to be playing in Buffalo in Buffalo uh that's their one of their minor league affiliates, but um, it doesn't seem like it's ready. There's issues with uh, lighting and, and some other, other things, I believe. Uh, so they're not ready to play there yet. So Toronto for the second time in history will be the home team in citizens bank park. This happened, um, you know, a, a few years back uh, as well, where they had to move a game to Citizens Bank Park, but this is obviously a completely different set of circumstances. So, yeah, the Blue Jays um, doubleheader on Saturday, and then a game on Sunday with the Phillies, um, with the the Phillies playing as the road team in their own park. Um, they're coming into this series one and two. Um, you know, there are all these health questions, but. Um, you know, as for on the field stuff, it seems like in a short season, this is a pretty big series. Um, Saturday is a big day for the Phillies uh, as to, you know, in, in regards to the standings, you know, you, you go in one and two and you drop two games on, 
on Saturday and it's only a 60 game season that uh that's a pretty big hole to kind of have to dig yourself out of at least in my opinion but uh yeah do you have any any thoughts about the the last series for the Phillies we can break that down the the first games are actually able to break down uh you know since we started doing this podcast and kind of you know unfortunate that the first games we'll have to we'll have to talk about you know right after it is more cancellation of games but that's just kind of the way it is yeah so i thought uh it felt like a continuation of of the problems we've seen from the phillies you know for the past couple of years uh, they were able to hit, uh, other than Friday night, Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara looked really good. Um, so, you know, they faced a tough pitcher and they, they couldn't really um, hit him. But other than that, offense hit. But, you know, Sunday, they, yeah, sure, they score six runs and you can say six runs should be enough to do it. At the same time, they had plenty of opportunities they had back-to-back innings where they had bases loaded one out didn't score anything they had bases loaded two outs later in the game didn't score um a lot of base runners the whole weekend and they just weren't able to to send a lot of guys home um so that's i mean i feel like that's been kind of an issue with the the phillies offense it was an issue with them last year as well um and then you look at the other side the bullpen feels like a disaster uh i I think we we talked about you know, the fact that they have a bunch of young guys who, you know, hopefully the, they hope can figure it out, but you can't just count on guys who have never pitched in the majors before to come up and, and be Sir Anthony, rookie year Sir Anthony Dominguez. Like, that's just not realistic. So, you know, we saw Ramon Rosso come in on Friday and struggle. And then, you know, on, on Sunday after Velasquez left the game, he didn't look great, but the Phillies were winning. And uh, I think every guy who came in after him gave up at least one run. Um, so, and then, you know, the rotation, Aaron Nola goes five innings, looks great. Uh, gives up the lead in the sixth inning. Again, something we saw last year, uh, the difference between 2018 and 2019 Aaron Nola was his ability to, um, you know, pitch deep in the games and still be effective third time through the batting order. He didn't do that on Friday. Um, Vince Velasquez, we were both sold on the four pitch mix. He did not look good on Sunday. So he looked good for an inning. They look good for, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it, it feels like um, something we've said on this podcast. We probably said it several times throughout the offseason that, you know, you can fire Gabe Kapler and hire Joe Girardi, but at the end of the day, that is, that was never, even if you think it was an issue with the team, it was never close to the biggest issue with the team. The, the makeup of the roster is just not that of, um, you know, a, like a really good playoff contending roster. And that's not to say the Phillies can't, but contend for the playoffs. But just, I mean, do you agree? Like that obviously it's one series. Yeah. um, I don't know because, you know, I think I've sold myself and unsold myself on this team uh, a bunch of different times because they, that lineup's going to hit. It seems like they looked outside of facing Alcantara who threw a gem, to be honest, uh, they did look uh, pretty good, but, um, you know, there's talented pitchers in both the bullpen and the rotation, but it's just a matter of figuring it out. And, you know, um, a lot of people have had questions about 
last year's coaching staff and you know if they didn't have uh the ability to help these guys figure it out and get people like Vince Velasquez Nick Pavetta come to mind and uh you know they they didn't figure it out with with Gabe Kapler and his staff and now you know Joe Girardi Brian Price are here and at least for one game it seems like those two pitchers still didn't figure it out and there's some young guys uh Ramon Rosso uh you know he came in on on Friday and missed every pitch uh low and left it basically felt like he <laughs> pulled every single uh fastball to the point where Real Muto wasn't even able to to block some of them just because he was dirting all these fastballs so it, it, all three of those guys that I just mentioned are really talented pitchers that have stuff but it's like at some point you have to do it on the field. Like I can't even, I don't know because I like, I like all three of those guys. Like they have stuff that I really like, but who knows if they're ever going to figure it out. It's just crazy. You you watch a team like the Indians. It's like, Oh, they trade, they just traded their two best pitchers. Meanwhile, they still have a top three rotation in baseball because they got guys like Aaron Savali, who it's like, this isn't a guy that anyone expected to have good stuff. Uh, Ty right now is giving me the thumbs down on Savali. He looked good yesterday. He did look good, He's, but uh, not, I just, a, I just not a big sinker guy here. All right. Um, <laughs> I I just think, you know, we have to point to – and we have. You need to point to the Phillies' development of, of pitchers at least a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, we did say, like, maybe they could get more out of – Velasquez and it is only one start like uh they're gonna give him another shot it seems like and maybe he figures it out you know just that uh, you know one game didn't didn't work out for him maybe that's the case but like man it it seems like they've been counting on him to be good for like four or five years right now and it's never exactly worked out outside of uh, a pretty good 2016 so at some point, it's like um, you have to wonder to yourself, where is the next guy up that, uh, you know, that be able to to take his spot? I don't know. Like I said, these guys do have stuff. Um, the bullpen is unproven, and obviously, uh, you know, they're missing. Probably, would you say they're two best relievers due to long-term injuries? So that's going to hurt you uh, when you're, when you're counting when you go into the 2019 season, uh, you know, and you have two relievers that you plan on handing the ball to and in your most high leverage situations uh, and they both go down in that season and it, they're not going to be back for most of 2020, like that's going to hurt your team, but there's still some guys that are just going to have to figure out uh, if they can put it together and, I think a lot of that still applies to the starting rotation as well. Yeah, uh, I wanted to touch on um, running the rotation and the bullpen. Uh, Matt Breen, Philadelphia Inquirer, tweeted yesterday. Now, this was before um, we didn't know that the Phillies game on Friday would be postponed, but he tweeted that the Phillies' upcoming rotation was Friday NOLA. I assume that will, that'll be moved to, to Saturday. Um, Saturday Wheeler, Sunday Arietta, Tuesday Eflin, Wednesday Velasquez. So, it looks like Velasquez, Vince Velasquez is going to stay in the rotation. Um, Zach Eflin's going to be in the rotation. Obviously, he had a little bit of a late start, but he was still slotted in to go um, this week. 
So it looks like, at least based on this, Spencer Howard is not going to, you know, be called up to the rotation as soon as the, uh, you know, the service time manipulation is those six days past. So that, that could think, change, you know. That, yeah, right. Maybe it's just Joe Girardi not wanting to exactly say who isn't, uh, you know, who's going to be left out of the rotation if they call him up. Or maybe uh, uh, an idea you've mentioned is they piggyback Howard and somebody else and then that person will still pitch on the same day. But, yeah, it does seem like uh, everybody's still going to have a chance in the rotation. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I wonder, is there any chance? Because other than Hector Neris and Jose Alvarez, who in the rotation do you trust getting out? And do you think there's a chance that they say, you know, we don't know if we can trust Zach Eflin and Vince Velasquez every fifth day, but we feel that the better, the bigger need right now is, is the bullpen. Do you think that that goes into – this decision making or do they do you think they just they see Spencer Howard as a starter and they have him start I don't know I think it's more likely that they see Spencer Howard as a a starter and they'll want him to start but I I don't exactly know that for sure I know we um we've talked on here there have been frontline starter types that have you know when they first got called up they've pitched out of the bullpen done it well and it's been a, a good way for some people to start their careers, but I, I don't, this year is so weird. So it's really kind of hard to get a read on what's going on. Um, I, I think it's more likely that Howard would, would pitch in the starting rotation though, than in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, I, I have, I've said on this podcast before about piggybacking Howard and probably Velasquez. I'm still in on that. I know Velasquez, uh, he didn't make it two times through the order without struggling, but that's kind of the picture he is, is, is he can get two t- times through the batting order and then he, he'll really start to struggle after that. I think, um, especially when you consider that the bullpen uh, could always use a day off. If you can, you know, have every fifth day, you go Howard Velasquez or, or whatever it may be. Um, that could yeah. Be um, good. You know, we, we've touched here on some of the big question marks in the starting rotation and, uh, the pitching staff as a whole, but uh, in that first series, you know, Zach Wheeler, he looked like uh, he kind of answered one of the Phillies questions from last year, which is uh, who is our, you know, next best starter after Aaron Nola. And he frankly looked better than Aaron Nola did uh, this weekend. So I, I think Wheeler is going to be their legitimate number two starting pitcher. He, he looked really good uh, I, on Saturday, I think it was. Um, he got some really timely double plays. I think he, he, had, you know, he had a handful of those uh, that he induced. Not as many strikeouts uh, as he could have had. I, I, I don't remember the exact Four, maybe? Yeah. I think it was something like that. So not a ton of strikeouts, but he still did. He pitched well. He got himself out of jams. Uh, the fastball was, you know, 97, 98 for most of the day. Uh, he had a really good start, and I think that's a good sign for this team. Uh, in addition to their offense looking good for two out of those three days, I think that's probably the biggest uh, positive for them. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we should – I agree on Wheeler. Um, he looked really good, and, and I think that um, he will continue to, to be a good starter as, as we knew he would be. Um, the the lineup do you have any concerns about like a lot of the offense this weekend like 
it feels unsustainable because most of the runs scored were from, you know, homers, home runs by Phil Gosselin and Didi Gregorius. Obviously, there was the Harper three-run homer on Sunday and the Real Muto three-run homer on Saturday, which you hope those two guys can can get it going. Uh, other than that, Real Muto did not look good. Uh, I will say one thing: I was uh, anyone who listens to this podcast or, or follows me on Twitter knows that. Generally, when I am, am tweeting stats or, or whatever about Reese Hoskins, they uh, shine him in a more negative light, just just because mostly because of how he ended last season. Um, I know he didn't. He got what two hits? I was still really encouraged. Uh, the The second half of last year, yeah, he was still walking. He wasn't walking a ton, and he was striking out a lot. And he, I don't know how many times he struck out this weekend, but he was, I, it looked like he was seeing the ball really well. Uh, I know people get on him about not swinging at a, a fastball that looks like it's coming down the middle or whatever, but he walked seven times. Uh, and I, I just think when he is going like that, that is a sign of good things to come. I think that he will start to hit the ball really well soon. I was seeing tweets on Sunday, like, man, I'm so done with Reese Hoskins and stuff from, from Phillies fans on my timeline. And uh, it came during a, a game that – did he walk three times on Sunday? Yeah, three back-to-back he, games. <laughs> he, wa- he walked three times on Sunday, and he hooked a double down the left field line. And uh, people <laughs> were just like, man, cut this guy now. And it's like, what? All, he, all he's done is get on base. Like that's all he's done in yeah. these three games. It's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, you gotta stop to thinking see. that he's he's more Joey Votto than he is Ryan Howard. Yeah, I, more Carlos Santana than he is Ryan Howard. I think I saw someone tweet the Santana comp, and I, I kind of like that. I think that's um, interesting. But yeah, he's he's good. He is good. I don't think anyone should be questioning whether he's good. Um, and you just, I think the Phillies hope that Real Muto can figure it out. Because um, you can't count on again, Phil Goslin. That was awesome. Like that was fun to watch. Just yeah, know. Phil Goslin, two home runs on yeah, that was on Saturday. Yeah, good story. Crazy. Good story. Um, the last four multi-homer games for Phillies have been either by Phil Goslin or Brad Miller. So that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I think I do think that there are enough guys in this lineup. Like Andrew McCutcheon did not look good at all. But there are enough guys in this lineup who, you know, if one guy starts starting to get cold, another guy's getting hot. Um, as long as guys can stay healthy. I, I, I know I mentioned towards the beginning of the episode that uh, they had a lot of opportunities and they didn't score. I still, I think you probably agree. Like the lineup is by far the biggest strength of the team. They're going to score runs. It's just a matter of being able to score more than the opponent. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um... I didn't – I had some questions about how the uh, lineup was constructed this weekend. Um, I don't love Real Muto in the four-hole just because uh, I don't think he necessarily is a strong enough hitter uh, to to be your cleanup batter. Um, he, you know, he hit that homer on, on Saturday, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, and three-run home run, which uh, – you know, a big hit for the team, but I just don't know. He's one of the three best offensive catchers in baseball. Uh, uh, and there's not too many that can hit like him, 
but I still am not sure if uh, he's good enough overall to be your cleanup batter. Um, I also had questions going into Sunday's game about uh, hitting Adam Hazley in the leadoff spot, and he made me <laughs> he made me look wrong, but that doesn't mean that the thought process into doing it was right. I think he his swing style and how he hits the ball is kind of what you would imagine uh, when you think of like a traditional leadoff hitter, like a contact hitter. He'll hit the ball the other way, but I don't know if he gets on base to uh, enough to be your leadoff hitter. So that's why um, I didn't exactly love that uh, that choice for a leadoff spot. He had what uh, two, three hits, big hits in that in that game. Uh, so you know it worked out, but I don't know if that's the necessarily right call going forward. Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm a fan of 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 moving your lineup around on a day to day basis. I think. Uh, Someone said Girardi put Hazley in the leadoff spot, so he didn't have to move anyone else around. I think Maybe. if you see if you see Reese Hoskins has walked has been seeing the ball well and walking a lot, why not throw him in the leadoff spot? I, I think, think he's fine at, at two. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't, hate, I don't him hate him at two. Um, yeah, I think I prefer. I think we've talked about our our ideal lineup uh, before. I like Hoskins Harper. One two, um, so do I. So do I. People always talked about, uh, you know, when they signed uh, Harper. People were talking about how many back-to-back home runs they were going to hit in the right. with Harper hitting three and Hoskins hitting four. But you know, maybe it comes in the one and two spot. And you know, yeah. if we were the manager, so who would you over Real Muto? Would you want uh, Gregorius in the four spot? Yeah, Gregorius at this point. Um, you know, like you like you said, I don't mind changing things around. I think that I think that could change. Um, if you go Hoskins leadoff, um, I'd probably go McCutcheon at three, Harper at two, Gregorius four, and then Realmuto five, something like that. Yeah. Um, if you, if McCutcheon, you know, it's only been one series, so if if he's playing fun, and he only what played two of the games. Yeah, he, he sat on Sunday. Yeah, so he's only played two games. So um, if he's fine and everything, um, there was one ball hit in the one game to left field. It was a left center field, a double that uh, it didn't look like he was running to it like uh, great. You know, he is coming off that ACL injury, but, um, you know, he's if he's fine and everything and you want to bat him lead off if he's still getting on base, I have no issues with that. And then I'd probably still want Harper – in uh harper in the well, in the two spot probably maybe gregorius three and then, yeah hoskins, I agree. Four, hoskins four and real Muto five yeah well and another thing we have to consider uh could alec Bohm be on the phillies the next time they play like that maybe maybe I, it, heading into the season it felt like Bohm and howard were going to be on the team by like august 1st um you know I can't like obviously the situation has not been ideal for anyone, but I can't imagine how it would impact uh, when Bohm comes up. And it has uh, like obviously we don't know for sure, but it has definitely at least felt like he was going to come up as soon as that service time date went by. The the more thinking I've done uh, with with Bohm, I think um, I think 
you know, we've talked about putting him at third base and uh, it helps your lineup uh, because you can move Kingery to center and Segura to second, and then you can still DH Bruce. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. And the more I think about it, the more uh, I'm kind of on board with making Bohm your full-time DH. Um, maybe you platoon Bruce is there. Uh, if he's facing a righty that you think he could have some success um, against, but I'm good with, with putting Bohm at DH. Um, Cause I think w- while I said, I don't know if Hazley is good enough to be your leadoff hitter, but um, I think he's fine. And the nine hole, same thing with Roman Quinn. I think uh, I don't think it would, you know, be that much of a drop off. And in fact, it might even be a little bit better. Yeah, I think we. Uh, you, I think you texted me this the other day. We might. We might have just like over. I, the idea over of Jay Bruce is Jay probably Bruce, yeah. better than he is. Well, I think. I think. All right, Jay Bruce. He's gonna slash like 200, 250, 550. He's gonna. He's gonna get you know however many hits and three quarters of them are gonna be for extra bases. Um, and I think like that is a variable. Uh, sorry, a very valuable bat to have on your team. But we're not used to having a DH, and that is not, like, good for DH. Like, the DH should really should be a, one of your best hitters on their team because they're not they're, – they're, they could be anyone. They could be 40-year-old Nelson Cruz, who is mashing, by the way, uh, which you love to see. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, Bruce is a, someone who needs to be in the lineup every day. So, I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, how, how Bruce, you um, he's like – he like I said with Hazley, how you imagine his uh, – play type as a leadoff hitter but he's not quite good enough to be a leadoff hitter in my opinion uh i think jay bruce has like the dh uh hitting type but he's just not quite there to be your everyday dh i think i think people do that a lot in baseball like uh you see a a person uh like their player type and you kind of want to put them in this one hole uh like the the, this one uh certain position or, or role and it just doesn't always fit. Like like with Reese Hoskins, like we just said, you he looks like he should be a power hitter, but he really is more of an on base guy. He hit. He just hit like seventeen home runs in his first thirty five games. So we were like, oh, maybe he's <laughs> Barry Bonds, but not quite. Definitely more Votto than than yeah. Bonds or somebody like that. Um, you have any not a bad thing? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, well, Bonds also got on base. Uh, yeah. Every single time, but you know what I meant. He's not going to hit yeah, that many yeah. homers. Um, do you have any thoughts going into this Blue Jays uh, series? We're recording this on Wednesday. Like I said, Pearson's making his debut for them tonight. Uh, you know, I'm just I think the Blue Jays are a, a pretty fun team. So I'm excited to watch them. I'm just excited really to watch the Phillies play all of these interleague games uh, because, you know, we see them play the Yankees most years, the Red Sox most years, but just like, Playing every team, it'll be cool. I love, I love watching teams that I don't get to a lot. So it'll be cool to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Kavan Vigio and Bichette Jr. and all of them. Yeah, I, I like that team. They're a, an interesting young team. That offense is going to be good. Maybe they won't be great right away, but uh, a lot of young players. Um, Austin Martin yeah. on the way for them. Uh, I think they presumably. make the playoffs too. Yeah, with this yeah. expanded playoffs, I think there's they're definitely the, a chance. They're the, they're the third best team in that division. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, um, I think having 
Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler available for you on, on one day in the doubleheader. I think that's huge for the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, you know, they played the Marlins. They lost two out of three. Uh, I think that's a good way to bounce back to have your two. I, I really think it's much closer to 1A and 1B than it is to 1 and 2 with those two uh, than people realize. And that, that's huge for the Phillies. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and yeah, it'll be uh, good to, to watch both those guys the same day. You, you have any other thoughts on last series or this upcoming one or anything that's going on? I don't think so. I just, you know, you hope that everyone is healthy and that they can um, start to get going. And I, I will say I'm really intrigued to see what the Marlins roster looks like whenever they start playing again because, you know, it's what they got 16, Mike Morin. up to 16 or 17 guys who – are on the 30 man who have COVID like now are, are they going to have to, because of the numbers, are they going to have to cut guys off the 40 man the roster? 40-man? I don't, I don't know if there's some sort of exception or not. If there isn't, there should be. Cause I, it'd be right. a little ridiculous to, so to have absurd. to DFA guys because yeah. they got sick. I wonder if we see Sixto Sanchez. Up Maybe we might see, weeks. we might see Sixto or uh, Cabrera at some point. Yeah. That'll be, they, yeah. they just signed uh, Mike Morin. Uh, wow. Believe. Who's the who's the most like ridiculous? Not ridiculous, but the most out there name that you could think that could be signed. Is Maybe not tomorrow, but just sometime this season when when the team's desperate. Do they sign Puig? Like I know that's not ridiculous. Uh, Do the Marlins sign Puig? Maybe. If he Do can the pass, if he can. Stanley Ramirez. <laughs> Did is Jared Hughes on the team? Yeah, he's on the Mets. He just had COVID. He's like recovering. Oh, I did. Yeah, I missed yeah, that I one. That. Saw that today on the on the timeline. Yeah, but, uh, just bring players out of retirement. Yo, like, Altair. Maybe, maybe. You know, I don't know. Speaking of Altair, I feel like we should touch on uh, Darren Ruff. Had a pretty nice game on Sunday night, right? A couple yeah, hits. Yeah, two two hits and a stolen base. Yeah, Darren Ruff is back. Gabe Kapler, right there with him. So and Drew Smiley too. A couple former Phillies, you know, making a a difference for for that team. You know, they started off their first series better than the Phillies did, and they played the Dodgers. They they played the best team in baseball, probably. So Weird season. um, Interesting start, uh, to say the least. Uh, But I think that'll do it for the the discussion on the season so far. Stick around, everybody. We have a really cool little interview that we did with Ray Dunn of the Ring It Challenge. He – puts together a challenge for Phillies fans. They, they pick who, uh, who they think is going to hit a home run each day for the Phillies. Once the Phillies start playing again, at this point it looks like on Saturday, you can enter his challenge and stick around and you can listen to him talk about it a little bit. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second half of this pod. Johnny and I, in the second half, we have a very special guest. This person is a Phillies fan who put together a pretty cool challenge, um, you know, a season, two seasons ago uh, for Phillies fans, and we're going to have him on to talk about it. He's doing it again this season, and our guest is Ray Dunn of the Ring It Challenge. Ray, what is going on, man? 
Uh, not much, man. Just just loving the baseball is back. I think uh, the whole mood's been brightened over the last couple of days with baseball, but I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Johnny and I are very happy to have you on. Like I said, you have started a, a couple of years ago the hashtag Ring It Challenge. Um, and why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about the challenge and a little bit about yourself as well? All right. So me, I'm aspiring sports broadcaster type uh i'm doing media studies and production at temple going to my junior year there uh but the ring of challenge itself was kind of born out of uh my on-brand type of tweeting i would say 2018 i decided i was just gonna every home run i was just gonna tweet all caps first name all caps last name ring it um and throughout the season people kind of gravitated towards it and it was 2018 team. I had moved down the shore, so I was listening to Franski in L.A. as I was driving around pizzas. I just loved that team because they were totally overachieving. I was all in on Gabe Kapler. I was all in on, on everything going on there. I thought, that this is the team that turns it around. We're going to start seeing some winning baseball. And uh, it was Chase Utley's last series in Philly. I went to the first game there, and I, I was there pregame. I was like, you know what? I could probably, like, do something with this ring it idea i was like let me try and do like a home run type of contest didn't start out what it is today i would just have people pick a player and i would just have a lineup so it was only like nine to eleven people getting involved the people want people off the bench um and then kind of tweaked it and it became well you pick a phillies player every day there's points values to each player someone homers you get that point value and at the end of the season if you're the top one everyone wants the tickets i i I think I'm just being, being a ticket guy at this point. I'm buying two tickets for whoever. My f- friend won the first year. He went out to PNC last year. And then uh, the winner last year um, obviously can't go to the game this year. But he wants tickets as well next time uh, fans are allowed into the ballparks. So for me, the Ring of Challenge was just kind of, eh, I'm on Philly's Twitter. I kind of have something going here. Let me see what happens. And Sure enough, it's kind of grown into something that people want every day. I had people text me in the week leading up to baseball, like, it's almost ring of time. It's almost ring of time. Excited for ring it. I was like, geez, you guys got anything else going on? But, you know, it's, it's fun for me. It seems to be fun for a lot of people. So I'm excited about what's, what's to come in this sprint of a season. We already got someone at 10 points through three games. I did not see that one coming. Wow, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, Obviously, both Ty and I were, uh, we, we just, when we saw it on Twitter, we thought it was um, really interesting. Now, I have a question uh, regarding the point values. Um, so, I'm on, the, I'm on the forum right now, and there's, you know, point values based on you know, the, basically the percent chance that a player is going to hit a home run. Right. Like, Romuto, Harper, Hoskins are one point, and then all the way down to Roman Quinn at five points. Do you find that um, people tend to gravitate towards like risking it on a three-point player most nights, or like some people just always pick a one-point player. What do you what do you find is like the strategy that most people go with? I love that the statistical science guy is first question knocks into the the numbers behind it. Uh, really on brand for you on that one, but um, it's interesting. There's a lot of people that um, love the one-point values. There's a lot of people who just like alternate like Bryce Reese JT, Bryce Reese JT, and like try and just work it around in that circle. Um, and some of those people have success. There's someone, the one that the guy that won last year apparently has the whole spreadsheet. I, I, this is one of those things where I'm not sure if he's kidding with me or he's serious, 
because he tells me about the spreadsheet a little bit too much for me to think he's joking. And I don't know how it works. I have no idea how it works, but he seems to have it figured out. But the people that just start playing, you can tell someone who's new to this by someone who's going for a four-pointer. People who just start almost always go with the four-pointer. No one's picking Roman Quinn on their first night. Nobody's picking Roman Quinn on their first But to be fair, my first entry, I, I picked Roman Quinn. Really? Listen, oh, all right, <laughs> all right. All right. It was, he was put in the starting lineup on opening day, and I like the value there. Roman Quinn, you know, who knows? Somebody should have picked Phil Gosselin the other night. He was a four-pointer. Yeah, I know. Phil Gosselin, Phil Gosselin, I think we had three people pick Phil Gosselin that night. Oh, yeah. That's and crazy. You get points per home run. So oh, right. That's an eight-point jump right there. Yeah. That, that's some serious ground to get in the first series. But usually people, if they see a four-pointer in the lineup, it's like they're just getting into the challenge, but they'll jump on that. People really love to, to stick, though. Once you get into it and you really think that you have it figured out, because I'm going to be honest, dude, no one has this figured out. I don't have it figured out. I would lose this contest. I would 100% be horrible at this. There's no way I'd be good at this, which is why it's great that I'm running it, because I get to pretend like <laughs> I would be. You, um, um, you put something on Twitter the other day that you missed. I think it was 10 points for, for a pitcher, um, yes. and you're sad that there's no more pitchers hitting. Did anybody ever – pick a pitcher correctly or no. did, did you get many pitcher selections in general so september was time for pitchers because people who had fallen behind dearly started just throwing pitchers at the wall i, I mean if you want to pick a pitcher every day hey i'll let you go right ahead pick the pitcher option every day and you would get down to the last two weeks of the season and it's just starting pitcher starting pitcher i'm looking at the google sheet it's like five people putting a starting pitcher in a row i go check the stay and it's like oh yeah this guy's got four points <laughs> She's got like eight points. Yeah, they're not, they're not winning. They're just throwing something at the wall. But I was really hoping last year when Velasquez hit the home run, I was like, I was like this is it. Somebody's going to have done it. I went into the sheet. When I tell you, a single tear dropped from my <laughs> eye. Like nobody had it. Because I want so badly to, to crown someone for the starting pitcher. And as much as the DH is helping this challenge, I really do miss that 10-point option because I want someone to get it so badly, so, so badly. Um, you, you mentioned in your uh, little post just about the challenge that uh, Eric, who won it last year, won in a landslide. I'm just curious, like, how big of a landslide did he, did he win in? I think he finished with 61 points and second place was 45. Like, we got it, we got it in September and I was like, okay. I was like, well, I'm going to tweet out the ring of thing every day, but there's, there's no one that's coming close. Like, you really had to have something go right. It was in August. He just – he did, like, a two-week stretch where it seemed like every night Eric was getting points. And I was, I was like, well, this is, this is going to be over real quick. It was, it's like the 2011 Phillies. That thing was wrapped up. It's like the division in 2011. Yeah. That thing was wrapped up way before the end of the season. Do you post the leaderboard anywhere throughout the season? I do. So I post it after every- – Every series. The leaderboard came out, I think it was Monday at 9. Um, the reason why I think the leaderboard kind of got overshadowed Monday at 9 was because I think it was like Monday at 9.30, 10 o'clock that uh, everything with the Marlins came to light and the entire um, situation around the team. No one really cared about the home run challenge going on uh, outside. I think there was a little bit more concern with the Phillies than uh, who was winning ring it. So after every series, I'll, I'll update that. You had a, a, I read on, on the post you had on your site that there, in addition to the tickets, there is another uh, option for the winner. So could you tell everybody about that one? And do you think that ever will be picked? 
So my, my friend uh, Jason and I ran a website with another one of our friends in 2018. And that was where the original post was put out there. And we, we had joked like, oh, like you can win a ticket, you can win this t-shirt that we had, or you can win a dinner, uh, night out with your favorite website personality, which was going to be Jason, which we were, we were just trying to get someone to go out there with Jason because we'd love just, just ratting on Jason, really. It's, it's just one of those things we know um, everyone's going for the tickets, so we just threw out another prize option there. Um, but I, I did have my roommate in college actually played last year for the sole purpose of wanting to go to dinner with Jason on my dime. Um, so I, I, I hope someone takes the dinner with Jason. I want someone to win and be like, no, no, no. I don't want the Phillies tickets. I want to go out there with Jason Cater. So you can, so you can talk, uh, talk with him about his dad's AL only fantasy baseball team, right? Um, it's incredible. It's that is the most try-hard league. It's like a league that's been around 40 years. It like predates, you know, computers, everything. That, and the owners switch out. It's like, it's one of the great baseball traditions that no one has any idea about. Like, it's literally American League only. Prospects all the way through. Keepers. Roto through the season. He can, he can talk to you for hours about it. So I would want someone to go on that dinner and help advise his team to become the next dynasty of that AL only fantasy league. Because... You could talk with him for hours about that. Well, yeah. Uh, before we um, uh, move on, just anyone who's listening and, and wants to find uh, the, the contest, can you just tell you know, where, yeah. where they need so, to go? Quick plug for myself, at RayDunnBTB on Twitter is uh, probably the place you want to start for that. And DunnDealPod.com, uh, it's the most recent post right now. The way I've been writing recently, it might be the most recent post for, for quite a little bit of time to come. Um, so you're going to go on that. There's a Google form that you fill out every day. I tweet it every day. Um, it's just your Twitter handle and who you think is going to homer. It's really easy. It takes, what, 30 seconds, you guys? Yeah. If you got bad Wi-Fi, maybe 45 seconds. Um, and you're entered. And so far, we've had 75 people, which I, I've already passed what – the uh, signups were for like full year participation from last year, three games, which is kind of wild. I, I give Sixers Adam credit. I don't know if it's true that it's, it's him, but he retweeted it. And Adam's got such a following where it's like, I t- texted Kevin Rice. I was like, yeah, I was like the, the Adam bumps coming here. And sure enough, within like 10 minutes, there was like 10 more submissions. I gained like three follows. I was thanks. <laughs> thanks for that, Adam. You really, really help him push this one along. So. And now I'm going to get the Phillies Nation bump right here from the two of you. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully some of our listeners will join the contest. We will we'll have it linked in the description of this pod for everybody. Uh, you should definitely go check it out. You know, worst thing that happens is you get no points and you, you know, you just participated. The best thing that happens is in maybe in like three years when fans are allowed in games, you get to go <laughs> to a game or you get to go out to eat with Jason. There you go. And it's one of those things where it's um, – so like inconsequential, like losing this is not is you know there's nothing wrong with not being able to pick. I made fun of my friends because he went three months without getting a pick right, but that's about the furthest that happens if you don't pick it right. For me, it's just fun the community of people that are tweeting at me every time someone homers, like beyond excited or beyond pissed. Like the Kingery foul ball was probably one of the worst things that <laughs> opening night one of the worst things that could happen because I got. My phone's blown up. Can you believe that? I picked King. I, I, I can't control this, guys. I, I'm here tweeting just along with you. 
but I love the people that have kind of circled around with it and it's really crossed over, you know, friends, people I've met over Twitter. I was hoping this year to do some sort of a game where I just, you know, get like one of those sections, kind of get the 20, 30 people who have been participating for the past two years and, you know, get them all to go out to a baseball game because some of them expressed interest in it. Now, you know, participation keeps up. People keep joining in the conversation. I'd love to get a, a bigger group whenever fans are allowed back at the stands. Yeah, so uh, just kind of jumping off that, the next thing we wanted to talk about with Ray is just, um, you know, games have started back up. The Phillies uh, are on a current hiatus as we record this on Wednesday with the the Marlins outbreak. But, you know, baseball is going on without fans, uh, and we just wanted to talk about some of the things that we miss most about the crowd not being there. And, uh, Ray, why don't you go first, you know, mention something that, you miss a little bit about the crowd and in the atmosphere uh, at a baseball game. Uh, in to be Philly specific for a second, I miss Dan Baker and the opening lineups at a Phillies game. When he says for the Phillies and the music cuts in the background and you can feel the entire place just kind of start to level, level up everyone. Even if you're in line in Ashburn Alley, you kind of feel like everything starts to get going for a game. I think like the beginning of a baseball game, just the energy when the starting lineups come out you, feel everyone getting to their seats getting ready I miss that I miss that so so much and right now the the fan like the crowd noise being pumped into games yeah like it's it's weird I I I, you don't get that same feeling when you can actually see the looks on people's faces as they're starting to cheer the virtual reality fans are even weirder I'm sorry that that creeps me out I can't get behind that at all Uh, I don't like it I don't like the fact that we've got like Wii Sports baseball going along the sides. I'm not for it. It's the, seeing the people, actual people's emotional reactions as the games get going. That is what I miss most about baseball right now. Johnny said that he liked the, the fake <laughs> oh, no. fans. Come on. Johnny said he liked right. the virtual fans on the Fox Sports right. broadcast. Yeah. It looks like MLB 2K09. It's okay, well, awful. First, I want to talk about the fan noise. I think the fake fan noise, like, well, I, I, Ray, like, I completely agree. Just, like, um, just the atmosphere with real fans there is, like, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's definitely missed right now. I think the fake fan noise, like, before the season, everyone was saying how it was going to be awful and, you know, wouldn't even add anything. I think it kind of sounds, like, real. So, um, yeah, I think they're doing a good job. I agree with you that. It's a weird situation. They're doing the best of a weird thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm in on the fake fan noise. Uh, the, the VR fans, I don't think it's good. I just think, I just think it's like, it's so funny just like watching a a real baseball game and then it's like video game fans. I think that's great. It's just like ridiculous. Like how far are we removed from like Xbox or PS4 sponsoring, uh, the MLB or excuse me, MLB, not the MLB. Don't want to get anyone coming at me for that. Major League Baseball, not the Major League Baseball. Uh, from sponsoring MLB and just being like, all right, you can just sign in with your gamer tag, your little gamer profile show up in the stands. Like, that would be, you got like a Xbox uh, live party going on of fans in the stands as it's going on. How, how far are we from that? If we want to do virtual reality, have people actually tuned in like, like they're there? I don't know. That would be my first guess. The whole just random uh, virtual reality, I'll pass. I'll, I'll pass on that. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to dive into uh, what I miss the most 
Um, and this kind of link that links back to it. the other night, me and Ty were, were texting about the wild card game and like the, our favorite wild card game moment. Um, and mine was the the game in Pittsburgh where they're they're shouting Cueto and Cueto drops the ball and then serves up a dinger. So I just like I miss going to Phillies games and like just you know hearing fans shouting at the imposing players. Um, sometimes it would go like a little far and unnecessary, but just like the harmless banter is, I love that so much and, and I miss it. I had a notepad of, of things. I, I was starting to write down and think yelling was right there at the top of the list. <laughs> it's the, the onion article they did of uh, Philly's fans are now um, stuck in their homes, verbally assaulting their family <laughs> instead of uh, players. It's true. The, yeah. the yelling just amongst the crowd is awesome. Just innocently yelling at someone to drop a ball or I saw Juan Uribe a couple of years when he was like 40 something years old playing and we were making Juan Uribe so old jokes yelling <laughs> behind the, uh, the third base dugout, that type of stuff. You're missing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I will say the one thing I don't miss is the wave. Um, I know a lot of people are anti-wave. I am 100% anti-wave. I can't let people enjoy things, especially the wave, but I don't know how you guys feel about it. Your, uh, your virtual crowd, you know, they can do the wave. <laughs> That's no, that's another problem. That's another problem with them. VR <laughs> uh, is weird enough. Now you got them doing the wave. Please, yeah. please. Haven't we evolved as a species past the wave? Can't we figure out something that, that's better? Yeah. yeah, so the thing I'm going to go with, this was inspired by my 12-year-old brother who was watching an MLB compilation video on YouTube the other day, and I just walked in. I happened to, to see what he was watching, and it was a video – of fans catching foul balls in their cup of beer and then chugging the beer with the ball in. I don't know like how that started as a tradition, but it seems like it's like the custom at this point. If you catch a foul ball in your beer, which happens like more than you'd think, like you just have to chug it with the ball still in there. And I think that's a, a great thing. Like nobody discussed it there. Nobody was like, Hey guys. So, you know, if you catch a, a foul ball with your beer, you have to chug it with the ball still inside. They just, you know, people have adapted to just make this a tradition. And I think it's, I think it's a good one. And I, I hope it's here to stay when, when fans are back, uh, if, if that ever happens. But it, it's one of my favorites. Oh, I think that it's a fantastic one. I'm mad I actually didn't think of that one. That, one. that one's really good. It's also funny, like, you think about the idea of a baseball entering a beer. It's probably one of the more disgusting things that, <laughs> that could happen to your drink is having a ball just dropped into it, uh, considering all the dirt and all that. But uh the fact that you just go chug, go chug for another one of those things. I think we would, would have evolved past this point, but I, I want to keep that one. I think that that's a good one. You know, post global pandemic, do do people still chug beers with a dirty baseball in them? I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. You see, they said they were going to use more baseballs this year than they typically do in a 162 game season because of the safety. That's and yeah, they ditch one like almost any time it touches the dirt. So yeah. they go through a ton of baseballs, and even in a regular game. I think on brand for me, another thing I'm missing, I don't know, I don't want to keep adding to lists if you guys on a bigger list, but I think on brand for me, the bell ringing, uh, I, I miss the bell. I'm, I would be recording a new ring it video at this point because usually I first game I go to the season that I see them win, I just record the bell ringing and yell ring it in the background. I use it every time the Phillies win. Um, not seeing the bell ring in person kind of hurts. I heard they're not going to be able to use the bell while the Blue Jays are in town either. That hurts too. 
Yeah, they're going to be the road team in their own ballpark against the Blue Jays for That's the second time before. in history. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when Vlad takes uh, Arietta deep, are they going to ring the bell for Vlad Guerrero? Is that they like should? I like I like any type of like uh, gimmicky home run thing in a home park. Like I know the Blue Jays use like the the goal horn, like in hockey. The the Phillies have the. Uh, have the bell, the, the Marlins. Yeah. The Marlins statue was goaded and bring it back. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, gotten yes. rid of it. You know, like Bernie the Brewer or whatever. Him going down the, the slide. slide. Anything like that, I'm a fan of. That's it. That is a good one. I. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have any other ones? I do miss. You know, like that uh, Logan Ohapi video that everybody saw. Uh, you know, fans that when the road team hits a homer, them just firing the ball back into the <laughs> field. That's a good one. Yeah, I miss hearing boos, definitely. Like, they, and they were deserved this weekend. That, right. That's something that they need to pump in. Right, agreed. Yeah, booing, booing your own team is, like, cooler than booing the other team, I think. Like, yeah. there's nothing like a good booing of the home team. 1,000%. Yeah. I mean, also, though, on the other hand, the, we were going to hear a lot of boos of the Astros this year, and we, we got that stripped away from us. We did get they we Joe Kelly. Such a great villain. Like, give it to me. Yeah, I, we really needed that storyline. Joe Kelly is going to be a folk hero for, like, two weeks here, but we were going to have so many of them this year. It was going to be incredible content all year long about the Astros and, and how people uh, reacted to the cheating. And now that you can't clear the, the benches, no brawls or any of that um, right now, which I understand why, but Astros got – so so lucky so lucky well they'll they'll just have to hear it whenever the crowds are indeed allowed back but uh i think that'll do it for this discussion ray thanks again for hopping on the pod everybody go give him a follow on twitter at ray dunn btb check out the ring it challenge like we said thanks again for coming on hey thank you so much for having me all right we will talk to you guys next week with a new pod You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.